0: okay so i could not find a video that said reset so i went with fresh start it's kind of the same idea right you know you need to need to start over you need to do something you know that you haven't done before something like that and uh, i just couldn't find one that said reset google couldn't find it either so that's okay if google can't find it it doesn't exist that's what i say i'm going to be reading in a few moments from the book of acts chapter nine i'll read the first nine verses today and we'll be thinking about this reset series and where it goes from here. Now if, if you're here today and you've been to all of these you kind of know where we're going and uh, if you haven't been here for all of these I want you to have an understanding of where we're going. Uh, I didn't put the whole series on uh, slides again so I'm just going to walk our way through this but there are four weeks to this. This is week three okay. So week one of the series was cast the first stone. And it really had to do with when you get caught up in sin and you need a reset. You know, it's, it's those moments in your life, and hopefully you've, you've had one or two of these where you just kind of come to terms with Jesus about things, and you say, I realize I'm not living my life the way that I should, but He actually loves me, He actually cares about me. And I can start over. I can do a reset. And so cast the first stone was just that idea that Jesus is the only one who could condemn you. And he says that he won't condemn you. He won't do it. Then he says, go and sin no more. But he says, I'm not going to condemn you. So cast the first stone. There's no one in this world who can rightly condemn you. No one. You know why? Because they're all in the same boat you're in. That's exactly right. And how many, how many sins, if you just want to say it that way, how many sins does it take to condemn us before God? One, right? I probably didn't even make it here today and I did something wrong. You know? It's just all of us, we're all guilty. We've all done things wrong. And so there's no other human being anywhere that can condemn you. And the only one that could, that ever walked this earth is Jesus. And he said, I'm not going to do it. So there's no one who can cast a stone. If you need a reset, that's the place to start. Second week, we did take off your shoes. And that was the reset that involved Moses, where he had an encounter with God in the desert. So he made it through 40 years of his life. He thought he was going to hide out in the middle of nowhere for probably the remainder of his life. And God said, I don't think so. I'm going to go where you are. I'm going to find you. I'm going to get your attention. And you're going to have a little meet up with me. That's what's going to happen. And that's what did happen. And when he got there, the first thing that God spoke to him about was, Take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. Anytime you meet with God, that is holy ground. I love that because it just means wherever we are and God's there, it is holy ground. Now, don't all start taking off your shoes, okay? But that's what it was. And when you need a reset... That's what often happens. And and the kind of reset we were talking about last week, those are not the things you do every day. Those are the kinds of resets that happen, you know, just a few times in your life. Maybe once, maybe three times, maybe four times in your life where you just have a a moment where you are in the presence of God and it's life-changing. It's altering for you. You're never the same again. And when you have those stories, those are your powerful stories, those moments when you meet with God for a reset. Now today... We've made it to week three, and this is a whole different kind of reset, and I just call it Stop My Stupid. Stop My Stupid. You'll see it in a moment. But this is Acts chapter 9. It is that guy we know of as the Apostle Paul, and I want you to take all the good things you know about him and all the wonderful things you've ever heard about him in church, and I want you to just to set that aside for a moment and realize there was a moment in his life when he was just stuck on stupid. He had it all wrong, but he thought he had it all right, and he was completely misguided, mistaken, outright wrong. That's where his life was, and he absolutely needed a reset. And if you've never been there, you might be there one day. You could be there now. I don't know. We're going to read the Scripture. We're going to look at it. And this is for all of us to find out. But when you're stuck on stupid, this is the place to look in the Bible. Now, if, when you come back next week, I'm going to do one more of these. And I'm just going to call it Give Me a Sign. Because there are times in our lives when we're kind of doing everything we think we know to do. We're doing the things we think God wants us to do. We're trying to honor God with our lives. And we still don't know what direction to go. And, and it's almost like we look up to heaven and say, God, if you could just show me a sign. If you could just show me a little something, just give me some direction, I would greatly appreciate that. So that's what we're going to look at next week. Give me a sign. But this is the scripture for today. It's Acts chapter 9, 1 through 9. And I'm just going to read it just like you can see it on the screen today. It says, Now Saul, that's Paul, he becomes known as Paul, but right now he's Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, so followers of Jesus, both men and women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about that as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? he said, I am Jesus, and you are persecuted. Rise and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. And the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Let's pause here and pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your grace. In the example that we've just read of how you would reach down and find someone who was so set against you and against your people, and you would take that person, you would capture his attention, you would change his life, you would put him on a new path, and you would give him a whole new direction and destiny. About every one of us in this room have been in need of that at times. There may be someone here today, that's exactly where they are. So we ask you to help us understand this and help us to think it through. Guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. just funny every time I look at it, stuck on stupid. Now I don't want to say, let me not start it personally with you, right? Have you ever known anybody stuck on stupid? Maybe you didn't say it that way, maybe you were nice, you were more polite than that, but but have you ever just known someone and it seems like of all that they knew, they should have known better, they should have, something, you just fill in the blank and you just go, you know what, they're just stuck on stupid, that's where they are. And that is Saul in this passage. That is Paul, that guy that we will later call one of the greatest missionaries the church has ever seen. There was a moment in his life when he was just stuck on stupid. Maybe we can relate to that today. So here's here's what I would do. Here's what I would give you. And this is a way to think about it. Being stuck on stupid is when you've lost control of you. Now you can say when you've lost control of yourself. You can say it like that. but But either way, it's when you've lost control of you you like you're not you're not anywhere close to what God would have you to be you're not anywhere close to the things that God would want you to do that that's what happens and, and, and you start to feel that you start to experience what it's like to just realize that your life is just the wind carries you around the waves carry you around there are powers greater than you pushing you in directions that you have no control over no sense of direction and you just step home stupid that's it so this is what I'm going to do today. This will be my outline. This will be the easiest way that I know for us to think about this together. It's just to follow it out like this. You're stuck on stupid. When? What does it look like? Let me give you some things. They all come from the scripture. They're just examples for us and the things that we just read. But just think these through because if it's you, you'll see yourself. If it's somebody you know, you'll go home and say, hey, I got something for you to listen to after church. It's gonna be posted tonight or tomorrow and you know let will sit down together and you can listen to this when you hear it, right? So if you think of someone else, great. But but always think of yourself first, right? Isn't that what Jesus said to do? Don't find the speck in your brother's eye without first looking at the log in your own, the beam in your own eye. So any anything, anytime today, if you think of someone else, please filter that through your own life first. That's the that's the right thing for us to do. But this is it. You're stuck on stupid, win. Ouch. Right? When your anger begins to spill out on people. In that beginning, when we first started reading that scripture, I don't know if you caught this, but it said that Saul was breathing out threats and murder. That's a, I don't know that you could say it any worse than that. He's like a fire-breathing dragon at this point. It's not. It did, the Bible didn't say he was really mad at the Christian people. He was really mad at the people of the way. It didn't say that. It said he was breathing out threats and murder. That's about as bad as it can get. Now, if, if that's not stuck on stupid, I don't know what is. These are people that their only crime to him was that they believed that Jesus was actually the Jewish Messiah. That was their crime. That's what they believed. And they they started practicing things like worshiping Him. That's what they started doing. They started doing kind things in His name to others. That's what they started doing. And, And Saul was breathing out threats and murder toward these people. Again, that, that's the best way I know to say it. You're stuck on stupid when your anger begins to spill out on the other people. Now, I don't know the best way to say this except to just put it out there. There are some people that have been mad so long, they don't even know they're mad anymore. They're just, they've been mad, they've been angry for so long, they've just lived with it so long. It's like, it's like um, they look in their mirror, there it is, and they just see it as normal. It's almost like you, if you could put a backpack on someone when they first do that, they're carrying around that weight, and it is a weight to them. But if they carry it long enough, it just becomes the normal thing. And that's how it is with anger sometimes. And you just see this in the Apostle Paul before he's known as the Apostle Paul. You see it in his life. There's this anger, and it is spilling out on people. And so if you want to just kind of hold up the mirror and let that reflect into your own life for a moment, it it kind of looks like this. You have to ask yourself, is that me? Am I angry? Am I angry at myself? Am I angry at other people? Is that anger starting to spill out on other people? Because if it is... That I already know I'm off track. I already know I'm doing some things that are going to be harmful to me. They're going to be harmful to others. They're going to be harmful to the important relationships that I have. All that's going to happen because because I'm mad. Because I'm angry. And we can spend time today trying to think about Saul and why he was mad about those things. but, But the end result is he was incredibly angry. And that anger was spilling out on people that he didn't even know. And I'll carry that a little bit further in just a moment. So look, look at the second one. You're stuck on stupid when you attack people for what they believe. Not even so much for what they do, but simply for what they believe. And again, I said it a moment ago, what, what the people of the way believed was that Jesus was the Messiah. And to Saul, that was heresy. To Saul, that was one of the worst things you could do. Now, one of the things we don't really think about a lot today because you know things are so different in our country, we we think about the, the separation of church and state and all those things. But what Saul was doing, he was getting paperwork that gave him authority to do something like an arrest. So he was going to be able to arrest people. And the Scripture says both men and women, he was going to be able to bring them back to Jerusalem for some kind of punishment. That's what he was going to be able to do and so when you think of it like that he was going to attack the people people he didn't even know but he was going to attack them for the things that they believed just for what they believed now i can understand you get upset with people for what they do right sometimes we do that we see action we start to get upset and i guess you can disagree with people that believe things very different from you that's fine too but when you start to get angry and you start to attack people simply for what they believe, that's stuck on stupid. That's where it is. Um, spent some time with my daughter Abby this past week. She told me about sitting down with um, a friend and the friend's boyfriend. And he's an agnostic. Now, if you don't know what an agnostic is, an agnostic's not an atheist. You know, an atheist says there is no God. An agnostic says, I don't know, neither do you. <laughs> That's kind of where an agnostic is. They they just, they just don't know. And as, as they began to talk, Abby told the guy, she said, I don't have all the answers. And it was like he had never heard a Christian person say before, I don't have all the answers. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know that must be because he's outside the church and doesn't really know people in the church because I'm on the inside and, and I know a lot of people in the church and, and we know good and well we don't have all the answers, right? We don't know everything. There are some things I'm very clear about. There are some things that I'm just absolutely certain about but there are so many other things I don't have all the answers to. I, I can't give you all the answers. I don't know why things are the way they are sometimes. I don't. I, you know, people will bring me things and they'll bring me questions and I say, you know what? I love you, and I'll pray with you, but I, I don't have an answer to this right now. We're going to have to ask God. We'll have to wait and see. Because when you're, when, when you're absolute in everything that you believe, it takes people who are outside of our faith circle, and it just turns them off. That's what happens. And, and the best thing I think you and I can do is just be really honest about the fact that we just don't know everything. And we've got a Bible that we believe is God's Word and we believe it's true from front to back. But it doesn't mean I understand everything in it. It doesn't mean that I have all the answers for you. I know that Jesus is the Son of God. I know that beyond doubt. I know that he lived on this earth 2,000 years ago. I know that the Romans and the religious people conspired together, they put him on a cross and he died. I know that the Bible says on the third day he rose from the dead. I know he's alive right now. I know you can talk to him in prayer now. I know you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ now. I know all those things. But if you come at me with some other kinds of questions or you ask me some of the, well, how can that be stuff? Look, I I can't tell you how God makes Himself real to a person. He just does. I I can't tell you how someone wakes up one day and they just know the presence of God. God just does that. I can't tell you how it happens that you can be going through your day and you don't believe and then all of a sudden you have a moment where it's like God's there and you now know Him and He changes your life. I, I can't explain to you how that happens. It just happens. It just happens. But we don't have to have all the answers, right? And so if you catch yourself starting to go after people or attack people simply because they believe something different than you, that's what's in this example. That's what Saul is for us today. He's an example of that. And that's going being be a second one soon. Let's go to the third one. Here's the action plan. This is the action plan, right? Right? So it started with, I'm mad, I'm angry. Uh, it kind of moves toward attack mode, and then it goes to this, you start to build an army. You start to build a coalition. You need some people on your side. So when you, when you, see, when you see this happen, when you see it occur you know this is stuck on stupid and point number three this is what it looks like you'll see people start to gather together a coalition they'll start gathering together a, a group of people on their side because they they need some critical mass they need they need some way to say this must be right because look at all the people that agree with me that's what Saul was doing Saul was saying I'm going to the high priest. The high priest agrees with me. I'm going to get these letters. These people are going to sign it. We're all going to, you know, and I'm going to be the representative, but I'm taking this this authority with me, and I'm going to Damascus to do this thing. I've built my army. That's what he's doing. That's what the, the action plan looks like. And you'll run into this in everyday life or you may catch yourself doing that very thing. And if it's you, I mean, that's why we're looking at it so close because, you know, sometimes the light just has to come on. What am I doing here? Why am I doing this? What am I really mad about? Why am I trying to drag everybody in on it? You ever had one of those experiences where uh, you see someone in public and you know they see you? but they won't talk to you? Or they turn and walk away? You ever chase them down? Mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, have I, I have tracked them down just to make sure that I say, hey, you know, because I, I don't want to be an angry person. You know, I just don't. I don't want to go to bed mad. And, and if you've ever been done wrong, look, I'm not saying you don't have a reason to be upset. You, you do. But you, you don't have any good reason to stay angry. None. I mean, it won't change the fact that someone did you wrong. It won't change the fact that someone did something they shouldn't have done. I mean, it won't change any of that. But if, but if you hold on to the anger, it's like that, that saying that's out there, you know, that if you hold on to that, it's like you swallow the poison and hope they die. Right? Right? You know, why would you do that? Why, why stay mad and angry about something that's in the past? You can't change it. You can't undo it. You know, it, it. They may never say they're sorry. They may never come back and want to make things right with you. And, and, it, and if they do, they do. But if they don't, they don't. And why would you just hold on to anger all that time? Why would you need to, to get uh, you know, a dozen people around you who just agree with you about how bad somebody else was to you? It won't help. That's being stuck on stupid. You're, you're only gonna hurt yourself in that way. If you get there, if you find yourself there, that's a moment for a reset. That's a moment when, when everything needs to be changed. Look, I. you like vanilla ice cream? All right, we got some chocolate ice cream people? All right, wait, where are the vanilla ice cream people. All right, chocolate ice cream, people. Some of you put your hand up every time. (laughs) You do it every time. Okay, ice cream, that's all I need to hear. I didn't need a flavor. It was just ice cream. All right, so some people like one flavor. Some people like another flavor. That's kind of how that goes, all right? But, you know, there's just so many differences out there in people. And if you run into one of those differences, it's just a difference. You don't have to stay with it. You don't have to be angry about it. You don't have to let it turn into something that's going to eat you alive. You don't have to do any of those things. So again, that's the action plan. That's the evidence. When you need to build an army against them. All right, here's the fourth one. All right, you see it, right? You are convinced is correct over others. Right? You are convinced your way is the right way. There are no other way. Every other way is wrong. The right. Look, there's only one place where I can do that. Okay? One place. When it comes to who is Jesus, that, that's, that's the thing. That, that, because Jesus said that Himself, right? He's the one who said, I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me so jesus said there's no way to god except through me that's what jesus said so so if i stand there and i say that just understand i'm saying exactly what jesus said and i'm just going to go with jesus on that okay but i'm not really this is not really about that this is not really a theological statement about who jesus is okay this is that idea that there's so many other things out there, so many things that are bigger than us. And, and when we get convinced that there could not be any other way, that's when we get into trouble. Now, again, for Saul, he had one of those um, life-altering moments because when he heard that voice, he responded with, Who are you, Lord? He knows whoever it is is bigger than him. Who are you? And the answer is, I am Jesus. So in that moment, everything he thought about Jesus changed. Everything he thought he knew about who Jesus was and what Jesus had done and all that, all of that changed when Jesus spoke to him in that moment. Okay? That, that is the theological changing voice that happened in Saul's life. Okay? That's what happened. All right? But then after that, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at, at how we can do the same kind of thing, not about who Jesus is, but about all the other things that are so important to us. We decide that my way is the right way and all the other ways are wrong ways. All right, so we sing today. We, we play some videos and we sing and we worship, okay? I watch, I watch you. I see you singing. I see you swaying. I see, you know, people doing. I mean, it, it just, it's just worship. If we had a guitar here, we could do it with guitar. If we had a keyboard here, we'd do it that way. If we had a whole band, we'd do it with a whole band. If we were in India today, someone would play a drum, a drum, not drums, just a drum, and and we would all sing with a single drum. You know, how many ways are there to worship? None of them are wrong. They're just preferences, right? They're just different ways to do it. And so whether we're talking about styles of worship or how to live out the Christian life, it always works the same. If you've got a way that you think is, is good and right, wonderful, but just understand that there are other ways too. All right, here's my, here's my confession to you. In the last few years, I'm going to go back five or six years, so before I met any of you in this room, okay? this, this, is, this has been the change for me in five or six years that the Jesus that I was presented with growing up the Jesus I was told about in church the Jesus I was told about in Sunday school is not the Jesus that I actually met that's my confession to you and for years growing up I kind of had this dual track like I would go to church and I heard about Jesus and they told me he was like this and they said he did that and they you know they told me about it and then when I prayed or whenever I had those moments where I thought he was actually doing something in my life it didn't look like that. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And so I had this I had this dual track of, of what's going on here because the, the you know it's like if 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 Michelle's sister told me about her that's one thing but I know her and at this point I've lived with her longer than her sister ever did right? right so I know Michelle her sister can tell me whatever she wants but it's not the same because I know her and, and here's my confession to you about five or six years ago you know Jesus just kind of let me give you an image okay it's like I'm sitting on a rock Jesus walks over he sits down He says, all those people are full of it. (laughs) That's what Jesus said. You know, they're just full of it. And then he says, You wanna go take a walk? All right. That's what it was like for me about five or six years ago. And so I just start walking with, with, with this Jesus. And he doesn't quite look like they told me he would look. And he doesn't quite sound like they told me he would sound. And he doesn't really play by the rules he makes them he does his own thing and he I don't tell him what to do he tells me he doesn't make sense sometimes and he doesn't explain himself that's the real Jesus Sunday school Jesus he's got answers they get written in quarterlies and things like that. You know, Sunday school Jesus, they, they give you the answers. They tell you what Jesus wants you to know. And I'm just telling you, talking to the real Jesus, he'll tell you to do something, you're like, that don't make any sense. And he said, You heard me. Just do it. That's what you do. And you say, But why, Lord? And he says, I don't have to explain myself to you. I love you, but I don't have to explain myself. And I guess it's because I probably wouldn't understand it anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is what I try to imagine, you know, in these last five or six years. This is what I try to imagine. When, when my son Matthew was, say, two, he was one of those little highly mobile kids, goes everywhere. And he would run into a room, and he would look around, and I could see the wheels spinning in his mind like, what should I get into? You know, he was one of those kids. Because he's going to get into something. Something he's not supposed to get into. And then in my role as dad was to say, don't do that, or go do this. And he'd look at me like, why? And when he learned how to say why, he said that a lot. It was his favorite word till he was about seven. Why, 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 why? You, you got kids like that in your life? Why, 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 why? And so I heard all these whys, and it didn't... I figured out quick, it didn't make it it made no difference to try to explain why. Because either he didn't understand it or he didn't care. Right? So I just gave up explaining why. And I I think about that all these years later, and I think that, that's kind of what Jesus does with me. He tells me I need to do something or I don't need to do something. He doesn't always explain why. And maybe I couldn't understand it if he did, and maybe I wouldn't care. That's the real Jesus. And that's how he operates. And he'll find a way into your life. He'll find you where you are. And he'll just say, I'm going to take you somewhere else. And it won't look like the things you've heard in church. If you grew up in church, that's what happened to me. It won't won't sound like the things that some of the... I mean, I had some of the sweetest Sunday school teachers you could ever imagine. Wonderful people. I believe with all my heart that they love God they do and they told me all the things that I think they were supposed to tell me but it just didn't look like the Jesus I came to know and that's my confession to you he's different than that he's different than that now I shared all that with you because I want to put a challenge before you as the church okay let's do everything in our power as a group not to misrepresent Jesus Let's do everything in our power not to present to others a Sunday school version of Jesus where he's just the nicest guy you would ever want to meet. He's kind of like a you know, Santa Claus up in heaven. You ask him for what you want. And if you've been good, he gives it to you. Let's just, let's just not present Jesus like that. Let's talk about the Jesus that gets in your business, that knows who you are, and loves you too much to leave you where you are. Let's talk about that Jesus. Let's talk about the Jesus who will speak to you in his own way that will give you direction and may not explain why or even how you're gonna do it. Let's talk about that Jesus. Let's talk about the Jesus who will take the most guilty person you can imagine and just put his arms around him and say, I don't condemn you. Come on. Let's talk about that Jesus. Let's talk about a Jesus that loves unconditionally. Because he already knows everything about our lives. He knows it all. He he knows everything that you could do wrong from here on out. Give that some thought. Things you haven't even thought about yet. Things you haven't even thought to do wrong. He already knows. And he still loves you anyway. Let's just don't misrepresent Jesus. Let's do everything in our power to be as honest and forthcoming as we can be as a church to talk about Jesus the way he is. As close as we can do it, as much as we communicate it, as much as we possibly can. Let's do that. That's my confession to you, and that's my hope for you, for all of us as a church. All right, so where are we? You're convinced your way is correct over others. Let me give you one last one, and we'll end this. This is my favorite one, but I didn't know another way to word it, okay? So, you're stuck on stupid when you need divine intervention to change. Do you know any hard headed people? Are you a hard headed people? <laughs> I see a head nod. Yes. Yes, yes. Okay. We, we won't do the hand raising thing. And let's not point. Like, do you know any hard headed people? Hard-headed people? <laughs> my wife's not in here either. So,. It could be you, could be, but I don't know that. It's definitely somebody you know. You've met people like this. It does not matter. You can speak until you can't speak anymore. You can tell them the truth. You can show it to them in the Bible. You can get a dozen people around you to tell them the same thing. They'll just look at you and go, "Uh uh-uh there's only one thing only one way they're ever going to change their mind or their life or their viewpoint or anything and it's going to take something that looks like divine intervention for them to change that's it all right so my son daniel was nine and i know this because it was that christmas he was nine years old we're coming back from tennessee we're going south And he wants to sit up front because it's a long trip, you know. And his mom's like, yeah, sure, you can sit up front because she'll sit in the back of the van and she'll lay down. And she's little, so she can lay down and cover up. You know, it's great. And so Daniel's in the front. He's nine. He's so happy to be sitting up front with Dad. And uh, we pull into a gas station and we pull out and he goes, you're going the wrong way. He's nine. (laughs) I'm going the wrong way, right? And so I look over at him and I go, how do you know? We're going the right way. Nope, Dad, you're going the wrong way. Which way should we be going? I don't know. Well, let me tell you, we should be going south. Okay, so he accepts that. So I said, so which way are we going? He said, I don't know, but you're going the wrong way. I said, okay, look, there there are signs on the road, okay? And this particular road was 431, okay? I said, so you look for the next sign, it's gonna say 431, and it's gonna have under that north or south, okay? So we're riding along, there's the sign, 431 south. Which way are we going? South. You good with that? You're going the wrong way. (laughs) How many signs do you need to see in order to believe that we're going the right way, that we're going south? So he thought about it a moment. He's nine years old. He said, nine. That rascal counted every sign. 431 south. One. 431 south. Two. (laughs) He counted every single one. When he got to nine, I said, there, are we going the right way? Nope. Some people, right? Some people. Was he just born that way? Blame it on his mom. (laughs) Blame it on his mom. Because I'm not that hard-headed, I don't think. Anyway. By the way, he grew up to be just like the sweetest guy. He would never want me to say that about him. So Daniel, if you listen to this, I'm calling you sweet. He did. He just grew up to be this great guy who's who's not that hard-headed at all. But he was when he was nine. He really was. And when he was eight and seven and six. And <laughs> he, was really, he was really hard-headed back then. But he kind of grew out of all that. You know? he, just, he just did. And, and again, I'm talking about being stuck on stupid. So you know, people get something in their mind and they just won't change their mind. They, they, none of us are going to be able to do it. It's going to take something from God for them to change their mind. One last thing on that. When it comes to who is Jesus and giving your life over to Him, giving control of your life over to Him, that is something only He can do. He's the only one. He's the only one that can convince you that when you're reading this book and reading about Jesus that's in the Bible, that He really is who He says He is. He's the only one that can convince you of that. But after that, our lives are filled with choices when we make decisions about what's right and what's wrong and the directions that we can take and and again when you get stuck on stupid you get off the path you get away from the things that are true and right and good and and no one else in this world not even the people that are closest to you can convince you of anything else it's going to take something from god to intervene in your life and when you get to a point like that that's what i'm saying today you're just stuck on stupid And you need a reset and that's what we're thinking about today so those are the five and today can be our reset if you need one you need one if it's you it's you we've been reading about saul and he's our best example in the bible today of what it means to be stuck on stupid and if you need to change something before god then do that today deal with that with god so here's what we'll do in just a moment we'll stand I'm going to lead us in a group prayer. And I want you to have a few moments just to talk to God. Just a few moments to respond. You can, you can stand there and pray right where you are. There's going to be some music playing. If you want to come forward, I'll pray with you about anything you want to pray about. But I want you to have that time to respond. All right, let's stand together. Father in heaven. Thank you for grace and mercy. Thank you for love. You gave us an example in the Bible of a man who was so far off track that yet you loved him enough you went and found him. And you helped him see the truth and he changed his life. Maybe that's what needs to happen for someone here today, so we pray. And Lord, for all of us, we pray today to have humble hearts, open hearts, open minds to the things that come from you so that we can know you love you, and follow you. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen.